You're listening to The B Word Unpacked, brought to you by Good Stock Consulting. Welcome back to the second episode of The B Word Unpacked with Good Stock. We are your hosts, Kimberly Butler-Willis. Kelly Annette McKenzie. And Dr. Ebony J. Hilton. Yay, ladies. It's our second podcast audience, the B-Pack, stick with us as we grow this podcast. Each week, we'll explore a new B-Word topic, um, discuss why it matters, and even give some advice on the B-Side. You get it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And hopefully hear from you guys. <laughs> we want to know what you're interested in and what you're thinking about the topics that we have to discuss. And today's B-Word is birth. That's a big one. That's a big that one. Huge. So loaded, right? As women, how many times are we asked, when are you trying to have a baby? Oh, my goodness. When are you going to get pregnant? Oh, my goodness. And why are these people so comfortable asking about my uterus? Thank you, ma'am. The number of times that people have asked me, when is Max going to get a little sister? Mm. A, how in the world could I predetermine the gender and the sex of a baby is my question. And B, how you opening your mouth? How you fixing your mouth to ask me that question? And see, how you going to help me with that baby? Right. I think my face automatically looks like stay out of my uterus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that initial look, if I have to actually get into the talk of it, that conversation dies really quickly. Yeah. <laughs> it's art. <laughs> well, I feel like the, the topic of birth is just everywhere right now when we think about the political climate of the country, Absolutely. when we think about how many candidates we have in the democratic field, okay. when we think about their burgeoning political platforms and what they're putting out in the world to resonate with people. And clearly maternal, infant, and child health is one of those topics that at the end of the day should be nonpartisan. I mean, we all got a mama. You would think so. You, you would think right. it's a nonpartisan issue. Right. You know, it's something that uh, everybody's got a mama somewhere. Right. Where did baby came Republicans from a, it come came from? from a uh-huh. woman. You would think so. Right. You know that. Right. But the thing that kind of worries me about the issue, I mean, granted, I think it's phenomenal that it is getting so much airtime and that there's increased and heightened attention. But I don't want this issue just to turn into political sound bites, right? So the, the, the data point that people keep dropping is the fact that black women are more likely to die three to four times more than white women during childbirth. And that is a startling statistic. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, we can't just do that and have that be the mic drop moment. Correct. I mean, there's so much more behind that data point that people really need to understand. So I think it's critical that we really dive into this issue to understand that this is something that impacts black women across the spectrum every single day. And so I'm excited to get into this with people today, to get into this with our audience today, to really, to to explore it. And we're so blessed to have a physician here. So how do we put legs on this conversation? Dr. Hilton. Yeah. I mean, we can have these friend group and sister group circles where we're talking about being pregnant and, and the dangers and even the joys, but how do we get our physicians to really know what's up with our bodies? Right. I mean, I think the important thing to, when we're talking about this in current times and the political uh, movement that's behind it is that maternal mortality hasn't really changed much in, in the U.S. since times of slavery. Now, we've, yep. we've made great advancements in every that's other no arena. Sense. But for whatever reason, the importance placed on whether or not a woman lives or dies with bringing in the next generation in the United States just hasn't met the mark of being important enough to really, truly tackle. I mean, if you look at the United States, for instance, of the developed countries, 
we have higher death rates for our mothers than any other developed country. And when I say that, I mean ours per 100,000 women, 26 women will die this year wow. from every 100,000 women that's pregnant Sound in the United the States. Mm-hmm. The next closest country that is a developed country is the UK. And guess how many women per 100,000? If ours is 26, what is theirs? Hmm. Hmm. Nine. 17. Theirs is nine. Wow. Right. So we, we should be we should be embarrassed. Most yeah, in the United States, we are the, the richest, yes. most developed. My question is then why why are we as women um dying? And so what I think on the other end of the spectrum of just being a woman, um, is we have to learn how to be advocates for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have to be able to trust our bodies and and to know that if you feel that something is wrong, if you walk into the hospital. I don't care if you have to get up and leave that bed and go somewhere else. You trust yourself um, and and make sure that you you have a voice to speak. You know, that's so hard to do. And I even work in healthcare. I'm a healthcare administrator, but it's when I become a patient, I find that I sometimes lose that voice Mm -hmm. because I don't want to be one, the angry black woman Two, I don't want to be wrong because essentially I've, I've been taught to respect the authority of the doctor. And what if I say something's wrong, but nothing's really wrong. Then I look like a hypochondriac crazy woman. Right. And, and yeah. And, and so I think I sometimes say nothing or I think about it when I get to the car and I don't know how to go back in to voice that concern. Absolutely. Completely. Yeah. Yeah, And it it is one of those things of where I can understand that happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I were going to take my car into a dealership to get, a simple oil change and they come back out and tell me that they found 15 things wrong and it's going to run me $5,000. Mm. I'm asking questions. Mm. And Absolutely. so you get one body, you get one life. And so what we have to start doing is from very young age, teach our kids to be empowered and, and knowing what their body is and speaking truth of when something in your body feels wrong and feels off, particularly for those who are pregnant. And I also feel that um, oftentimes and within the black community, too, there's this reverence and, and rightfully so in many ways in terms of medical providers. So there's this duality of distrust and mistrust of the medical system, but also then putting doctors on a pedestal. But I think we got to reach a point where we're seeing doctors as humans and are able to engage in a relationship with your doctor. I mean, think about it. Once you have a relationship with your hairdresser, like the product becomes so much more beautiful at the end once you start to have a real conversation. And if you can have a real conversation with your physician about what's going on, I just feel like the end result is going to be all the more powerful. And I mean, Ebony, I'd ask you as a physician, what are some things that patients could do to get more comfortable in engaging in those real conversations with their doctors, whether it be about pregnancy or just in general. Can we pause for a minute? Cause can we just talk about how Kelly just compared the doctor to the hairdresser? Come through <laughs> black lady, come through black lady. Cause it is all essential. I mean, yes, I mean, yes. Because my uterus in here will be that kind right. of relationship. I oftentimes tell people, if you don't feel comfortable asking the question out loud, Write it down mm-hmm. and literally walk into your doctor's office where you have all five of your questions that you've thought of um, in leading up to that appointment and say, here are my questions. And if the doctor explains it to you in a way that you don't understand, have him say it again. The point is, is that you don't leave there 
until you feel comfortable in the knowledge they are presenting you. Mm -hmm. That's our job. Our job is not only to take care of you, but our job is to explain the ways that we are taking care of you so we can kind of avoid some kind of complications that occur. Uh, talk a little bit, and, and, and we've heard you wax poetic and drop some knowledge mm -hmm. about this, but talk a little bit about birth outcomes between black and white women yes. and what that looks like when you look at the playing fields that we occupy respectively. Exactly. When you control right. for all the social determinants. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, the, the thing with social determinants of health and racial health disparities across the board, whether we're talking about cancers, we're talking about heart attacks, strokes, and pregnancy, um, and in terms of infant and maternal mortality, social determinants of health does not play for us. And what I mean by that is that as an African-American, you can have a higher educational level. You can have more money in your bank account. You can live in a better neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And your outcomes are worse than a white person with lower standards as far as socioeconomic status and, and education. Wow. Now, I'm not saying there that I agree and think there needs to be a two-tier system. What I am saying is that there, there exists a two-tier system. And that breaking point tends to be along the lines of race. To give you an example, so there was a study out of Duke in 2017 where they looked at um, maternal or infant mortality associated with the mother's race and her educational level. Mm -hmm. And what they found is that me, so I'm a, I'm a double board certified anesthesiologist. I've gone through many, many schools and graduations um, yes. to reach that point. And my child at this point, if I had a child, would be up to three times more likely to die in infancy than a white woman with a fourth grade education. Good now Lord. to put it in perspective, yeah, my child as a double board certified anesthesiologist compared to a white woman's child who is also a double board certified anesthesiologist is seven to 10 times more likely to die in infancy. Mm -hmm. Where does that so, come from? What's the root of that? Because you can't tell me our society tells us that the more education we have, the better job we have, yep. the better access we have to resources, right? right? So surely right. your baby should be well taken care of, doctor, right. you know? Right. But you're telling me that compared to this white baby from lower class America without any negativity whatsoever, but still right. probably with limited resources sure. that they're still guaranteed to live because they're white, Right. I mean, when I think about racial health disparities in general, I think of those in three different blocks. One, we have the individual component. So that's who you are, what's your genetic makeup, um, if you have any any inheritable traits, right? Um, what's your what's your weight? What's your cholesterol? What's your high blood pressure? That sort of thing. The second, I think about community impact. So what resources are actually available for you within your within your community? What hospital resources? Um, do you have access to healthy eater, eateries? Um, are you in a food desert or a food apartheid? Um, what's, what does your community look like as, as far as industry? Do you have toxins that are polluting your air and your water supply? Those matter. And then the third bracket of that is the literally the healthcare system and the implicit and explicit bias mm -hmm. that we know yeah. exists within the walls of the hospital. Like we said earlier, your doctor is just a human. Unfortunately, humans tend to carry some pretty, um, how you say it, biases within themselves. Absolutely. Or how they yeah. other people. And that, that could be life threatening. To, right. right. Yeah. And it translates mm -hmm. to how do I, how do I treat you when you walk in the door? If you're a black woman, a black man, a white woman or a white man, do I view you as different? You know what you talked about before we were at Kelly house, Kelly's house one day and you were like, your doctor should 
be a African-American woman because you're an African-American right. woman. Mm-hmm. So listen, right. I went out and found this black doctor. I'm like on the right. hunt, like a stalker, right? Like I got to right. find a black doctor mm-hmm. and that is hard to do in Charleston. Right. So I found her and I was super self-conscious, like, oh my God, this lady is about to see my vagina and I'm gonna have to see her in public because mm-hmm. she looked like she could be a homegirl right. and this is going to be so awkward. But right. it was honestly one of my best appointments. Right. I, mean, I still don't want to see her in public though. Nah, <laughs> no, but it's, no. <laughs> not at the cold cuts, not in the bakery. I don't want to see you act like you don't see it's me, true. ma'am. But you compared um, doctors to your, to your hairstylist, correct? Mm-hmm. Because there's a relationship of trust there that is automatically kind of developed when you walk in the door. When you look at studies, race concordance of position and patient, what I mean by race concordance is, is if you're black and you have a black doctor or if you're white and you have a white doctor, that race concordance matters. It's just like language concordance. If yep. you're Spanish speaking mm-hmm. and you have a Spanish speaking doctor, your outcomes are better. If you're a black patient and you have a black doctor, your outcomes tend to be better. Mm-hmm. And and it's, it's kind of multifactorial as to why that happens. Is it because the patient trusts the doctor a little bit more because you look like me? Maybe. And so you're willing to come forward and speak more about what's going on with your body and yeah. you feel comfortable? Or is it that the doctor looks at the patient and says, hey, you can be my cousin. Right. right. That's my yeah. people. Yeah. That's my right. people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You talked about implicit and explicit bias within the healthcare system. I think we cannot underscore enough the realities that those implicit and explicit biases exist around us every Absolutely. single day as we walk right. through this society. Absolutely. And I'd love for more scientific research to be done about what racism itself does to impact the black body. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I would. And how do we get more white people to acknowledge it? Uh, right. Amen to that. And I also think that as black people, and I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, that you yourself have biases, that we need to also take ownership right. of some of the biases that we hold. Absolutely. And not just act like other people just have those. So if you haven't yet, I really encourage our listeners to check out Project Implicit. It's mm-hmm. through Harvard University. It is an opportunity for you to feel out to really do like that gut check, that yeah. that check of yourself right. to, to really understand, wait a second, I'm harboring these beliefs about people that really, where do they come from and, right. and how right. are they how are they contributing how to, how I interact with that person as a result of that bias? Right. right. It, it, honestly, it does have a biological impact, you know, especially when we're talking about if you're a minority in this in this country and seeing someone who is of, of a different race triggers you, meaning that you have a bias inside of you that for whatever reason, you either don't trust them or you don't like them. Every time your heart rate goes up and every time you start to have a change in your breathing pattern, what that means is that your hormones are different. Your adrenal axis has Mm -hmm. kicked in. So that means your adrenaline is up. Mm -hmm. And when your adrenaline is up, that means high blood pressure, right? We see the, the stress hormones of insulin and, and the catecholamine surge of, um, and the cortisol level increasing. That's influencing hypertension. Mm-hmm. That's influencing diabetes. Um, and so when you and are for a pregnant black person, mothers, imagine that baby. Absolutely. Right. And, yeah. like I said, and, and, and directly it comes into part when, we, when we're talking about advice given to women, my pregnant women in particular, my main um, advice is to protect your energy. If something around you, I don't care if it's a relationship, I don't care if it's a job, I don't care if it's watching basketball wise or housewives of Atlanta or don't whatever is out. going on. Do not run out. <laughs> don't don't right. take everything from us. 
if it's the news media, you have to, I cannot stress this enough, you have to cut it off. You cannot afford for your heart rate, your blood pressure to get up because when you are, when your catecholamine surge, when your adrenaline is up, when you feel your heart racing, your breathing pattern change, the way your blood vessels also change, the, the way they work changes. And the main blood vessel that we're concerned about when we're thinking about pregnancy is how is that blood being flown or flowing through your placenta? So if you are in a state of constant stress and, and constant mm -hmm. fight or flight during a time of pregnancy, that means there's less blood flow going to your baby. And what that translates to, particularly in the black community, is preterm um, births. Mm -hmm. We see very low birth weights mm -hmm. for our babies. Mm -hmm. And what we see is that babies mm -hmm. who are born prematurely are babies who are born with very low birth rates. Mm -hmm. By the third grade, 60% of those kids Family. are flunking third grade. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, what this translates to is that 70 to 80% of the kids who are flunking third grade end up where? In prison. In prison. So prison. we're feeding the pipeline. So, Cradle to prison right. pipeline. Yeah. So it usually starts before the baby even has a chance to take their first breath. We have to protect our energy. You know what? That was such great advice. And it's honestly the part that we want to, a new segment we've developed mm -hmm. that we're calling the B-side. It's the B-side. Right. It's the B-side, right? The B-side is the, <laughs> the side of the cassette that you really don't hear that often, but it usually has the best stuff. Yeah, right, right. but it usually has the best stuff. So that's right. some great advice that we can slide onto the B-side. Mm -hmm. Kelly, what would you also share with pregnant moms, our moms who are trying to become pregnant? Sure. I mean, I think for me... And it's even still hard to articulate, but as a woman who has always been raised to be very independent mm -hmm. and do for myself and be capable and not have to rely on anybody, in my pregnancy, that little boy drained every <laughs> ounce of energy out of my body. And right. I had to get comfortable asking my husband for help. Yeah. And it's just that's, so that's a big hurdle for black women. I mean, I had to get comfortable saying, look, I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I need you to do X, Y, and Z. Cause I'm about to go ride that couch mm -hmm. and be right. real comfortable sleeping. And I mean, I spent a lot of time sleeping, but really being okay with being vulnerable enough to say, look, I can't do this by myself, baby. Yeah. I need you to help me out. You know, that that did just wonders for me. Um, and, and speaking about the kind of the negative energies that you allow into your space, Ebony, I think sometimes there's this just subconscious piece where we don't even recognize what we're not allowing mm. into our space. And so right. by freeing myself up to allow the help, yes. to receive the help of my husband and my mm. family, that was huge for me. In so, a gracious way. In a gracious way. But y'all, yeah. I, I had to fix my mouth to say it. Listen. And it was so difficult for me. Right. Practice right. makes permanent. Hey. Right. Practice makes permanent. I think what I would share, so I have two babies, eight and five. Um, they operate more like many adults. Yes, but, they do. Yes, they Especially do, that God. little Lindsay. Oh, God, that little girl. <laughs> independent thinker. But independent. What I would say is to be patient with the process. I think for myself, I'm an overachiever. Mm -hmm. And I want things done quickly, and I want them done correctly. And parenting is so complex that there is no correct way, and it cannot be done quickly. Mm -hmm. You're hurrying up to wait. And so I had to teach myself during pregnancy to um, appreciate the process and to be grateful 
before the process because so many women struggle with pregnancy every day. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you can even become pregnant and carry a baby in a healthy way and not be on bed rest and have a loving husband, Mm -hmm. you need to just sit down and be patient and um, be patient with yourself when things aren't moving as you think they should. Um, Give yourself a little bit of grace and um, really enjoy the blessing that it is to be able to carry a baby and um, appreciate that not everyone gets the chance to have that blessing. Well, and we, I mean, in, in saying that, you know, friend, we also have to recognize that some women don't necessarily Wanna find this time period to be a blessing at all. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the things as far as in the black community, the talks of pregnancy prevention, mm-hmm. what to happen or what we can do as far as after um, birth. If, if there's a feeling of this just doesn't fit right with me, motherhood is just not for me. Right. Mm-hmm. I think um, we have to start talking about that because women are often shamed into feeling that they are supposed to have this response. Right. And we're seeing this, this also politicized uh, movement of postpartum depression and, and it postpartum is real. psychosis. Mm-hmm. It is real. It's always been there. Yeah. It's always been there. It just hasn't been talked about. And in African-American community in particular, we know that mental health disease or mental health disorders aren't necessarily spoken of in general. Sure. Mm-hmm. So you put a baby on top of that and everyone's like, how dare you? How what, dare are you? you? what are you talking about? You right? know, I suffered with postpartum with my first child with Trey and I didn't even know what it was. I couldn't even put words to it. But after I had him, it almost felt like I went into a black hole mm-hmm. and I could not figure out how to get out. And right. what I found peace in is work mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. knew work. I could control mm-hmm. work. I know how that I, I know how work works. Sure. Right? right. I knew nothing about this baby. The pregnancy was great, but oh, and the birth was even awesome. I never even had a contraction before. Like, listen to me, right? Right? Privilege. Hashtag privilege. Right. After I had this baby, yeah, I felt so lost in the world. And I remember my mom, um, two weeks after I had him, my mom called and she she could have sensed something was wrong, but she just said, and now I'm about to cry. So she lived two hours away and she said, I'm coming to get the baby. Nice. And I said, okay. And I realized in that moment, I had to let her, like Kelly said, Mm -hmm. help me because I didn't even know how to help myself. And so she took my new little baby boy for two weeks. And she said, now you take this time and you get Mm -hmm. yourself together. Mm -hmm. But not in a, you know, derogatory, get yourself together. But she saw me. She was talking to me mother to mother. She She was talking to me woman to woman. And she was talking to me as a mother to her child. Mm -hmm. You need me to survive and I'm going to help you through this. So I'm going to take him away from you so you can readjust to this new world and figure yourself out. And then when you're ready, I'll bring him back to you Mm -hmm. and you can pick up where you left off. And it was honestly one of the best things that she could have ever done. And even in talking to my husband in hindsight, he was like, I was actually nervous to leave you with the baby. Sure. Cause I didn't know if you would see him or hear him. And I thought, well, we were in a house together and you never said that Mm -hmm. five years later, you told me that, but it took my mom hearing my voice over the phone two hours away to say, I got you. And that's the power of black womanhood. I believe. Oh, yeah. completely. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, and luckily you had a mother that was 
so in tune with who you were that she knew because we oftentimes as black women put on this front that everything is great. Mm -hmm. It is so easy, right? It can be hard to see those cracks. So I think this is when I oftentimes, as soon as I know that one of my girlfriends or or my sisters, if they're pregnant, you're going to get tired of me. You're going to reach out. You're going to talk about everything. And it's one of those things of where I remind them of even when they're asking me if if something's gone on in, in life, or even in my life, and they're asking about, well, how are you doing? No, no, you don't worry about how I'm doing, because I'm going to be okay. Yep. You have two people right now to to concentrate on, yourself mm-hmm. and that baby. And literally every time your heart beats, blood is flowing through mm-hmm. that child. And I don't think mothers realize that in order for that to happen, that literally every time your heart beats, you are sharing a blood cell with some other Absolutely. being. Absolutely. That your body completely changes. Your lungs, literally, mm-hmm. the way they work completely changes. Your kidneys, the way it filters your blood completely changes. The way, the, the amount of protein you have within your blood that your liver produces completely changes. Immediately after you give birth to your baby, your cardiac output, that's how much, out, like your heart, when it beats, how much blood yeah. flow is going out increases by 75 percent you are completely you're the same person but you're a completely different person socially you're completely different different. it's changed that the brain the the hormone shifts that happen is not a surprise that the brain says hey i don't know what i just pushed out but all i know is that my entire world is completely different it's it's like shock and trauma It's like Mm -hmm. shock and trauma. Like everything, your clothes fit differently. Your mind Mm -hmm. thinks differently. I mean, I mean, I went from double shots to double strollers and I just was really having a complete (laughs) meltdown. You know, I mean, I'm like, really, what is Weren't this? Weren't you the one who tried to run a marathon a week after you Listen, had a baby? I was so convinced you were like out there. that you I were would like, be I'm well. Yeah, I'm three months after Trey Jr., I said, <laughs> I am running a try. I am going to do a triathlon. Oh, okay. Girl, okay. damn near died. Yeah. Damn near died. Mm-hmm. But just to try to reclaim that old Kim, oh, I am. and I right. just had to lay in it that I'm a new Kim. And a better right. Kim, even. Right. And, and this right. son and now this daughter, they've added to me in ways that I, I never could on my own. But not to say right. that you will not behold without children, because I believe, I mean, you can live I, your first I life. stare longingly at my friends without children. Like, that right. is nice. Right. Amen to that. That's I mean, one thing exciting. I can say that this conversation is bringing up for me is that each and every one of us have been raised since the time we were itty bitty. Work two times harder because Mm -hmm. you're black. Work Mm -hmm. two times harder because you're a woman. Be independent. Stand on your own two feet. But what everybody in this conversation has been saying is lean into your vulnerability. Lay Lay down if you Mm -hmm. need to. Get comfortable Mm -hmm. asking for help. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's a conversation that we need to condition ourselves to have with our children moving forward. Because we are not superheroes. We are not superwomen. And Mm -hmm. it is okay to acknowledge the fact that we are human beings with fragilities that that are just walking through this world every day trying to make it. We are not monolithic. No. Right. I literally am in the process of writing an op-ed piece called I when when I have my child, I don't want to raise a strong girl. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. it's the downfall of of in many ways of black women trying to be everything possible that we can't even just be human. Yep. I need to be able to express myself in, in every piece of vulnerability that's possible. So, so we've lost our humanity in the struggle to be human. 
right to be right. seen we as human. To be seen as human. To be seen as mm-hmm. human. We've lost right. our, our sense humanity. of humanity. Mm-hmm. That's deep. Right. That's we a mic drop moment. I mean, I'm just saying. Listen, okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that that was a lot of unpack. I mean, we laughed, we thought, we cried. We I cried. feel like right. that's a full episode. That's an episode, ladies. That's an episode, ladies. Thank you guys for listening and unpacking with us. You can expect us again. Um, for our next episode, where we will unpack one of the scariest B words in corporate America, black. Black. <laughs> black. So until next time, <laughs> we'll see you guys on the flip side. Keep listening. See you, ladies. Learn more about Goodstock Consulting at www.goodstockconsulting.com. Be sure to follow on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.